Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello and welcome to another edition of Please Bet on Football Games. I'm your host, Alex, with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how are we? Um, so, grand scheme, we're okay. Uh, Monday Night Football, we're hurting, but we're, we're recovered more than we thought we would mentally. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, pod, we, we lost a little bit, little under a unit, like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, depending on where exactly we made our, made our bets. Um, really, that was just because we made a double bet on uh, best bets. So not terrible there. Not great. Obviously, we'd like to win. Uh, I know you didn't have as as minorly negative of a week. Well, yeah, I mean, I but... made the biggest bet of my life on Rams money line and it didn't win. I uh, I was leveraged into it about five units. If we're going to be technical about it, it was spread across some parlays and I had some tricky ways to get at it and some bonus bets. But yeah, no, it was it was rough. I'm not happy. And I just that was no bullshit. I just didn't evaluate all the factors properly. But we can get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into that. But I'm I'm happier back because there was there was some uh, mention of retirement on Monday night. And I was <laughs> like, are we going to be recording again this week? <laughs> Well, we're only going to record the one podcast this week just because it was kind of a light week on recap. I don't think anybody would insinuate we learned too much. And uh, frankly, we got busy. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, let's do a little bit of recap we have. Let's do it. So first up, we uh, we had Miami on Thursday night. Uh, we had them plus four. Ended up not being that close. And we we just didn't cover. What do you think? Bullshit or legit? I call bullshit because of two plays both of which should have been interceptions, but they came away with wildly different results. The first one was a 60-yard touchdown to T. Higgins on a bad throw that probably should have been picked, if not for the fact that Xavier Howard, cornerback one for the Dolphins, it seems at least hyperextended his groin and missed the rest of the game mid-play. When we were watching it, I sent you the video and I was like, how the fuck? How the fuck was this not a pick? How the fuck was this? He was there and then he stopped moving and then he kind of just dove. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? It turns out he didn't um nobody dropped the controller mid-game on him he just he he significantly injured his groin which hurts and is totally unsustainable now one person on twitter legitimately tried to argue with me that t higgins will injure a lot of cornerbacks groins over the course of the year not joking at all um no no t higgins usually isn't running away from most linebackers so the fact that he tore the groin possibly of a legitimate cornerback one that hurts uh so that's seven points right there in a 12-point game. This was also on third down. The Bengals were getting ready to punt when that ball was knocked down or picked. Uh, additionally, the game ceiling interception. So even, even with that bullshit touchdown, it, we were like a 60 to 80% chance to cover. And I know that's a wide range, but shit happens. There was a lot of time left. I would say we were about a 68% chance of covering because I don't want to say 69. Nice. Uh, and it was probably slightly under 70. Anyhow, the Dolphins are driving. They have the ball in the red zone. They sh- were down five at the time. It is first down. The Bengals have no answers. Teddy Bridgewater has a miscommunication with his wide receiver. Shit happens, especially when you haven't been getting starter snaps. And the ball sails a little bit. The safety has a shot at it. The safety drops the ball. I swear to fucking God, I got the clip. I'm If you follow me on Twitter, you see me tweet it. The ball hits the ground. Now, you could argue that the ball got pinned against the thigh. Fine. It was never even fucking reviewed. They didn't take 30 seconds to fucking look at the play. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think it hit the ground. I think he pinned it. But the fact that it wasn't reviewed is pretty crazy. A turnover play under two minutes. Two things that mean it's mandatory reviewed. 
didn't get reviewed. Yeah, and it's not like the game. Bengals rushed to make a snap either. Like they took their time, they did the normal thing, and everybody just was like, "Oh yeah." So that that was some real fucking bullshit. We should have covered for sure if T. Higgins doesn't get the fluke touchdown. We probably should have covered anyway, if not for a fluke interception that maybe not have been an interception. I call bullshit. Additionally, while Teddy Bridgewater is better than Tua, and we got a little bit of a break on that, probably what what Teddy brings that Tua lacks is probably mitigated by the complete lack of experience and rhythm in the offense. And the momentum of the Dolphins had to go to shit, and it, it visibly did, when Tua not only gets hurt, but in such a violent, show-stopping way. The rest of the game kind of felt like a like a daydream. Yeah, I mean, that's got to have an effect on the team, especially with how well Tua was playing or how well his stats were turning out. Yeah, he had been productive, and he had been receiving a lot of hype. Pay yeah. no attention to the three pickables he threw in this game alone. <laughs> Right. So it, having your starting QB go down in such a gruesome fashion is definitely going to have an effect on that team. And then you get into uh, Teddy doesn't have the the timing down. And that's important when you have a an offense that's so based on guards after the catch and speed. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm on the line between bullshit and legitimate beat because T Higgins, like the injury. Yeah, that's tough. But it is big ass T Higgins on Xavier Howard. So he might come down with that ball anyway. And yeah, maybe they don't score a touchdown, they get a field goal. But like, it's not to say that that should have 100% been a pick game over. Or, you know, I think it's fair to say it probably should have been incomplete on third down. Yeah, probably. But it, it wasn't like egregious. And then the interception, I think it was an interception still. I mean, I think my bigger gripe is that McDaniel was passing the ball there. But that's not bullshit. That's, that's just not bullshit. That's execution. Exactly. So that's why I'm not as quick to jump on bullshit with you. But it definitely wasn't a game where things bounced our way. Yeah, I don't. I Everybody in the like handicapping universe bandied about this trend. They're like, oh, the Dolphins. They had 90 snaps last week and it's a short week. They're going to suck. And then the Dolphins defense was totally fine, but for two busted plays, one when the game was already over and one where the player hurt his groin. And yeah, maybe playing 90 snaps on Sunday contributed to Xavier Howard's groin being pulled. If you want to make that extrapolation and you want to say that your whole fucking bet turned on the likelihood of injury mid play to a player because of the hot, heavy workload only five days before, you go ahead and keep making that bet. That's fucking ludicrous. So I think that our handicap was right. I think that the handicap that most people use to side with the Bengals was wrong. And I think there was a substantial amount of at least questionable bullshit that makes me feel confident in saying, fuck this shit. And we've spent too long on this game. We have spent too long in this game. Generally, I think I agree with you. Either way, it's a loss. Yeah. Let's move on. Next, our best bet, the Buffalo Bills minus three. That one was a push. I think legit or bullshit. It was kind of legit. Like anytime that the team you bet on has the ball under the five yard line and all they need to do is score a touchdown so you can win. And the other team wants them to score a touchdown so they can get the ball back. You feel like it's bullshit. But we were also kind of lucky because the Bills, well, no, the Bills fumbled like four fucking times. I go slight bullshit. Like we should, the Bills should have won this game by more than three. If Lamar Jackson, if the, if fuck, if the Ravens kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth down, it's a good chance the Bills have to try to score to win by four. And then, I mean, I think they fucking pretty clearly would have seeing the way they drove down the field 90 or 80 yards immediately. 
slight bullshit, but after the way the first half started with all the fumble luck, I feel lucky just to push a little bit. I'll say this was questionably fine. Yeah, I think this one's fine because there was there was some garbage on both sides. I mean, didn't Lamar throw a pick in the end zone? Yes, on fourth down tie game. Yeah, like so that I mean, that stuff. I know that's more execution than bullshit, but still. Um, And it was a close game. It ended up pushing. I feel like anytime you get a push, like it's kind of hard to claim bullshit unless some crazy stuff happened. Uh, um, un- unless, of course, you bet Saints plus three that that was bull. You should have won that game. <laughs> yeah, that that one was crazy. But luckily, we didn't bet on that one. We didn't. Actually, I gave out Minnesota minus two and a half because I got it early and I feel very fortunate. <laughs> All right. Anything else to say about Buffalo? Nah. Me either. Next, a win. We have Las Vegas minus two and a half. Yeah, this game, our cover was aided very slightly by a fumble six. Uh, But even before the fumble six, Oakland was, yeah, I'm going to stick with Oakland. Oakland was going to win this game by three. We got the best of the number. It was going to be okay. Uh, I say it's fine. Yeah, I think so. I think it was was a legit game. Nothing too crazy happened either way. Uh, Next up, another win. We had Dallas minus three. Yeah, I, this game was super easy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was just the Cooper Rush handicap. Yeah, the 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 yeah, very exactly. Our last full unit bet, which we made a second double bet, was the Los Angeles Rams. That one did not hit. No bullshit either. That was just uh. So the Rams have a fatal flaw in that nobody on their team is fast enough to play linebacker for the Al Davis Raiders. Um, and that includes their wide receivers. Cooper Cup is probably their fastest wide receiver that gets legitimate run. Like I know about um. I don't Brendan Powell, Brandon Powell, Brian, something with a B Powell, a white man with a B Powell. Uh, He is fast, but can't really play wide receiver. Allen Robinson was never fast. And then he tore his ACL and now he's super the not fast. Uh, That's basically all the serviceable wide receivers. So it's left with Cooper cup who is amazing at all the little things, but he's just not fast. You don't want him running deeper than 20 yards unless it's a trick play. Yeah. Unless you're doing double moves or something like that, trying to have late developing stuff. You don't want him deep, but he does the the intermediate and short stuff better than anybody. Oh no. Every, if you were to just, if everybody lost their talent like like in space jam that has sucked all the athleticism out of everybody cooper cup would be the best wide receiver in the world by a mile because his footwork's incredible his hands are incredible his savviness in zones is incredible everything that doesn't involve your actual body he's amazing at but he just happens to be kind of short and kind of slow um which makes him still a, a really good receiver um So this isn't necessarily a death sentence having no team speed, but it is a death sentence when a team figures out that you have no team speed and you're on your third string center and you're on your second or third string guard. So the 49ers collapse their safeties down and play basically like a double robber most of the time or at at worst a single high. And they just played really dense, shallow zone coverages, taking away everything within about 15 yards, daring the Rams to go deep, knowing that the Rams don't have the guys to go deep. And they blitzed under that because they know that the Rams do not have the offensive line to hold up long enough for their slow ass receivers to get deep. And the Rams had no answer. Like It was either Sean McVay schemes up little dinks and dunks where the receivers win immediately off the release or nobody's ever going to get open. Yeah, that Rams offense, it just has no downfield ability. 
No. It feels like the opposing defense can put everyone within like 20 yards for the entire play. And you're just not afraid of them doing anything explosive. No. Nope. I was talking to the bird watcher about it and he brought it up of like there's there's no explosive player on this roster. No, and when you like, know that, you can play it so differently as a defense. You can just exactly. sit on it. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it with any a lot of teams with bad wide receiving cores that can't beat man and defenses will just push everyone up, play man, then they can send people and pressure you I mean, and you won't get easy looks for the quarterback. We saw it to an extent with big Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns last year, just no speed element leads to a really easy to defend offense. And it's really difficult to scheme up enough plays and execute perfect enough to go 10, 15 plays down the field on a consistent enough basis when everything has to be so precise and within five yards of the line of scrimmage. It's just fucking tough. And especially if your offensive scheme isn't, it's one thing if you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm Matt LaFleur and all I do is just create plays where my quarterback throws a little dink and there's a huge alley for a run after the catch. So like, that's what I game plan for all week. But if you're Sean McVay and you've got more of a downfield element and your quarterback is specifically tailored to a downfield passing attack, and then all of a sudden you have to audible early in the game and, and just scheme everything up short, like that's fucking hard to do. And honestly, probably impossible. So the Rams, any team that figures this out and knows how to play the Rams is going to give them trouble going forward. And honestly, honestly, when the Cardinals released Andy Isabella today, I thought it was a, a gift from the gods to the LA Rams because it would be a perfect fit. A, he's white. Stafford only likes throwing to whites, apparently. And B, he's fast as fuck. So you just send him downfield, opens everything up for everybody else on this offense. Yeah, no, they, they really need something that can take the top off of the defense because they just can't consistently move the ball like you were talking about it just makes all the windows smaller Stafford has to be that much better and it's why you see the picks like you saw in that game because he's got to make a lot of perfect throws it feels like he has to fit everything into a tight window well even when he doesn't like this the second pick the screen that went for six it's not really on Stafford a ton because like, yes, he did hesitate. And that's why I think it's a pickable ball. But also like the play is get the ball and turn to your right and throw it to the wide receiver as fast and quickly as possible. If the safety recognizes the play and makes a break on it, there's not a lot you can do. And it's really easy for a safety to realize what's going on and know like, oh, this is a screen when you have to run screens and quick hitters all fucking day. That like Huafanga knows he's a heady good player. He knows if I break on this and I'm wrong, it's going five yards downfield. I don't have to really worry, especially in zone. They were playing zones. So like that's a gamble. He did something outside the play, but he's at liberty to do that because there's no threat of being fucked. He's not gonna get T. Higgins. He's not, it's not gonna be, he's not gonna get Debo Samuel. And that's another thing we could talk about. The Rams defense, I don't did they did they know that that game counted? Because they had two uh. Bobby Wagner specifically had two plays two touchdown plays where like there was a play to be made. He kind of just walked, not even jogged, just like walked and somebody ran past him for a big explosive. The the run to Mitchell up the middle, Bobby Wagner completely overfilled. He was supposed to collapse into the B gap and he went all the way to the sideline. I don't know where the fuck he thought he was going. I think he saw the pitch and was like, oh, it goes outside. He just broke outside and they ran right up the fucking gut. And then when he realized he was beat, he didn't chase. He just stood up and was like, huh, fuck. <laughs> And then the Debo Samuel one, like five or six dudes on the Rams very clearly 
made a business decision not to try to tackle Debo Samuel, including Bobby Wagner, who walked after him instead of like hustling and making a cleanup tackle. And anyone that did try and tackle him failed spectacularly. Like Taylor Rapp tried to tackle him. That was just a failure. I think that was a legitimate tackle attempt. Jalen Ramsey, the fuck was that? It was a fucking soccer slide. Like he wasn't really trying to tackle him. It's bad. Yeah, it was not a pretty tackle. It was not close. Either. But it was it was not bullshit. We learned a lot about the Rams. I don't think we learned that much about San Francisco. Nope. I think they're still I mean, they're the same team they've been for three years. I think who they were against Denver with Jimmy Garoppolo on short notice ish. I think that that was less who they are. I think that that game was a little funky. But if you find a team who dares Jimmy G to throw deep, like the same way we're talking about how with the Rams, you can just collapse on them because they have nobody who can go deep. When you're playing the 49ers, you have to play that same style of defense to take away the run and the short stuff because we were joking. Every They wouldn't pass until third down. And then on third down, every pass is a slant that gets thrown at about the eight yard lot, the eight yard downfield mark to the inside every fucking time. Like, Every third down, I would DM you and be like, all right, time to see if the Rams can defend the eight-yard crosser in, and they couldn't. <laughs> nope, they they couldn't tackle the, the 49ers offense, like you're saying. It's pretty simple. Like, they just execute really, really well, and they do have a lot of different looks that they can throw at you so they can keep you on your toes. But for the most part, especially in that Rams game, there were it was like a handful of plays that they ran every single time because they just kept working. I also love how much like most of NFL film Twitter fucking masturbates to like, oh, look at this inside toss. It's fucking beautifully blocked up. It went for a 30 yard touchdown and like they ran it six more times and it averaged like two yards a carry on the other six times. It just Bobby Wagner overfilled one time without safety help and it blew up. Like, I mean, that's the Shanahan effect right there. To an extent, but if you play good, disciplined, tough football, which the Rams clearly just aren't capable of. By the way, that's like the third siren of the podcast already. I hope you guys can hear it. Welcome to New York. City never sleeps. I hate this place. Uh, anyway, the 49ers, there's a way to beat them. They're not special. What is special is the Rams' inability to play a certain brand of football regardless of personnel. They are not disciplined. They are not tough. They are, will not be aggressive in any form or fashion on either side of the ball, on offense because they can't be, on defense because they won't be. And that's just it. If you want the short throws and the run game, you can get it against the Rams because of the way that their scheme is designed under Raheem Morris. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about this. I feel like we another game we spent entirely too long on. Well, um, we did a lot of Rams breakdown, which is good. Yeah, it, it's the, the substitute for not really having gas or fade. I was going to say, that was, the fade, that was the fade Rams portion of the pod. Brandon, I don't know how much value you're going to get because I feel like people know they... Yep. <laughs> um, let's move on to our bonus bet. We had Atlanta Moneyline. That hit. That hit. And uh, it hit without the Falcons actually having to exert themselves. They they hardly threw the fucking ball. Yeah. It was too, like, we were kind of wrong in that we thought it would be like 40 to 38 with all running plays. But it was very clearly like the Browns lost because they threw the ball with Jacoby Brissett too often. And he turned the ball over and tried to turn the ball over a lot. If only they had a quarterback who could like consistently hit pedestrian throws and keep the ball out of harm's way. Yeah, they do. He's suspended. <laughs> <laughs> this is correct <laughs> um yeah i mean i think this was legit there wasn't anything really crazy that happened it was kind of classic kevin stefanski in the fourth quarter too which yep. I, I loved um the browns was, and falcons was... the browns and falcons are two teams who we've been spot on with by the way and we haven't been betting them out of fear 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right. We have been, they've been largely doing what we expect them to do. The Falcons are 4-0 against the spread, and it's the first year in six years that I'm not betting on them every fucking week for the <laughs> month of September. I mean, I I would imagine they're 4-0 against the spread because they've hurt 90% of the betting population in the last five years. Dude, I, I was so fucking high on the Falcons every year for the last five years, and every year for the last five years, you're saying, Joe, they can't be a top 18 team they suck they keep on doing this to you it's not going to be different this year and i would say no 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 it's going to be different dean pease no 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 it's going to be different uh fuck to your julio's healthy no 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 it's going to be different they they're going to figure out this offense every year and then finally they add marcus Mariota, who is like probably my most obviously hitting hottest take me before the year marcus Mariota, guy who's been a backup lost his job a few years ago i said top eight quarterback everybody said joe you're fucking nuts and so far easily easily a top eight quarterback probably a top two quarterback probably the best quarterback in the nfl so far this year but i haven't bet on them once well i bet on them once and I'm mad about it. I'm happy that this was the one we bet on them. I'm mad that we can't bet on Atlanta this week. Well, with that said, do you want to talk about games this week? Let's talk about some games this week. Awesome. Let's talk about some Thursday night football. We have the Indianapolis Colts going to play the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are minus three and a half. And that looks like it's about to move, though. It is. Uh, this game is probably going to come back to three, uh, even despite the Jonathan Taylor news. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will not be playing, and Shaq, Shaq Leonard will not be playing. <laughs> Dude got a concussion and broke his nose. He is cursed this year. Yeah, he's he's had a rough start. Do you have a feeling on this game? Because I think I know who I like. I mean, honestly, I like the Colts, but I feel like I like I'm running Colts. into a tree. I like the Colts. I mean, you know, I've kind of been on the Colts as a sneaky team. They, we wanted year, to, but... we wanted to gas them, and we got a good shot because okay, we actively want to fade Denver a lot. We actively want to gas Indy in spots. We can do that today. Do you think that offense in Indian or the Indianapolis offense will be able to move the ball at all? Because I'm concerned. Matt Ryan has looked terrible, and now they yes. don't have Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is overrated, not because he's not great, but because I really like Naheem Hines, their backup. He's super fast. I like Naheem Hines. Super quick. Jonathan Taylor's really good. Jonathan Taylor's really good, but I really like Naheem Hines. So like, I think you're going from an A plus running back to like a B plus, A minus running back. I think Naheem Hines is that good. And given the reps, he would be special just because his movement skills are so good. Um, he's a lot like what Javid Best was supposed to be before his brain turned into pudding. I was about to say before the concussions got him. I was gonna say, kind of a weird week to make vulgar jokes about concussions, but here we are and we're doing it. Uh, also, throw AB in there. Guy's got a hog. Um, yes, he does. Like an elephant. That's, that, that was what that noise was. We're going to pretend it was at least. Um, all right, heterosexual vibes only. Got to save our penis talk for the Vikings. I also like Indianapolis. I think they'll move the ball. They shouldn't be running it anyway. They should be throwing the ball. They should be doing the quick hitters that made Frank Wright good in the past. If you get past some bad fumbles by Matt Ryan, which I have to pray to God regresses back to the mean, this Colts team can move the ball on a very susceptible Broncos defense that lost Randy Gregory, their best player on defense. I know what yeah. I said. I know what the fuck I said. He's been their best player this year. I don't I don't think that's even 
You could argue Pat Sertain, but I would say no. Yeah, I don't think Sertain's there yet. It's not oh, Bradley Chubb. Certainly. So so I feel like it's Gregory. So they lost their best defensive player. That's a good point. It's a team that doesn't really have a great uh, line. It doesn't have a good linebacking core. Their secondary is spotty and their defensive scheme has been very vanilla. Additionally, it feels like the sky is falling on the Colts. They're a game out of first place. A half game because they have the tie. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's partially because they're in a bad division. But oh, no, 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 no. It's they've only t- played four games. Exactly. It's entirely because they're in a bad division and they've been awful, but they're not giving up. They have hope. And that's a big part of the handicap. Additionally, we know that the Colts have started slow under Frank Reich. It is now October. They've had four games to get their shit together. And the best that they have looked has been the last two weeks. They got off to a slow and mistake prone start against Tennessee, but they roared back and they've looked really good. So it's not that I'm high on them like crazy. They're not near my top 10 anymore which they were before the season started because I thought Matt Ryan had some juice. You don't have no juice, but I think this Colts team can still be a solid eight, nine win team. And I think this Broncos team is like a four to six win team and probably going to be the worst team in the NFL for the next decade. <laughs> that rust contract, man. Dude, they just gave six, six fucking years and a bazillion dollars to a bad quarterback who's going to retire. Yeah, they're not good. They're bad. Uh, Indy, Indy has just because I keep waiting for them to kind of turn that corner and they have looked better, but they still don't look as good as I want them to. No, they're nowhere near where I want them to be. And they, you know, Shaq Leonard being out. That was kind of the thing where I thought them coming back the last couple of weeks because Shaq Leonard, I think last week is his first week back. Yep. He immediately got hurt again. Yep. So not having him hurts. And I think it's why their defense has been a little shaky to this point. You know, what so, was a lot of my fears, though. Go for it. The Broncos can't move the ball, except when they run. They their run bad. game has been pretty well designed and pretty decent because Nathaniel Hackett runs the ball as much as anybody always has. We've been over this and he does a decent job of it. But they lost their running back in Javante Williams. And all they got left is Mike Boone, a fullback, uh, Latavius Murray, who they signed two days ago, and Melvin Gordon, who cannot stop fumbling. And like, he, he loves it. He's been fumbling a lot this year. He's been fumbling a lot for the last few years and it's progressively getting worse. It's one of those things. I think he's on the wrong side of 30. And if he's not, he's goddamn near it. It might just be one of those things like with wide receivers. A lot of the time, the drops start to happen later in the career because they're working harder to run as fast as they used to. With Melvin Gordon, it might just be that his body is slowing down a little bit and he's working harder to produce the same output and takes a little bit of his mind off of holding the ball pops out i think i think that that is advantageous for us yeah i mean them not having javante is definitely an advantage because one they don't have the pass catching ability out of the backfield anymore i mean melvin gordon latavius murray are not really known for that aspect of their game and now you just have to give more touches to those dudes who melvin gordon has been fumbling like crazy and granted i think he's actually looked fine when he can actually hold on to the ball yeah no he has but he won't hold on to the ball yeah so i think that that benefits us my final worry again just continuing to try and poke holes in our uh thinking here is thursday night games are strange they are like last week so the other one is like maybe we're not super keen to bet on thursday night games i'm not just so i don't know i still like it though it's 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 probably my fifth ranked pick like it's the first one out if the maybe pile gets hot but for right now it's a pick and i'm not doing sounds this week so we don't have the cha-ching but cha-ching 
All right, Colts plus three and a half. Moving on to Sunday, we again travel to England and have the New York Giants playing the Green Bay Packers at 1030 in the morning. The Packers are minus eight. Um, I heard Daniel Jones might play in this game, actually, which would be crazy. But I'm not touching this fucking game. The Packers, nope. Packers kind of suck. What they put up, the, the display that they put on against New England last week was disappointing, to say the least. Aaron Rodgers might suck. PFF still has him rated number seven, but in that uh, honestly, every week, every game, I'm going to do a ha ha ha. Look at this stupid PFF rating. Aaron Rodgers is the seventh best quarterback. Ha ha ha. Look at that stupid PFF rating. <laughs> uh, nothing more to say. I don't want to bet on this game because we've got mysteries and injuries at quarterback for the Giants. We've got a team that is absolutely capable of dominating a bad Giants team in the Packers, but a team that also has been mercurial and frankly, consistently disappointing. Yeah, I agree with you. We we stay very far away from this game. One, we have a London game, which we don't really want to bet on. Two, you have the Packers who have been massively underperforming expectations and just like haven't really passed the eye test either. But they're playing the Giants who are very fraudulently, what, three and one? Yeah. But they're a bad team. Bad team. Who has either a hurt quarterback or a backup going in. Well, no, either a hurt Daniel Jones, who's not already, he's already not good, or uh, Davis Webb. Yeah, he was, hey, didn't he unseat Baker Mayfield at Texas Tech? Arguably. Guys, a stud. They bounced back and forth for a while, and then Baker left, and then Mahomes came in. And then Davis Webb also left. He beat out Baker Mayfield. Sure. And was in a close competition with Patrick Mahomes. I'll say that. Uh, No, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, back to the Giants. No, Mahomes came in and Kingsbury sent one highly recruited, recruited dude and then two eventual NFL participating quarterbacks in Davis Webb and Baker Mayfield. He sent all three of them out the fucking door and was like, no, it's all Mahomes. And it was. All Mahomes. Yeah, he 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 was right. <laughs> he he was right. Um, back to this game. Uh, for a very quick second. Yep. Don't bet on it. Don't bet on it. Don't even tease it's, it. I don't want the teaser. Strange. After what I saw yeah. in New England, I don't want the fucking teaser. Absolutely not. Stay away. Only bet in America. <laughs> not really. Not really, but in this case, yes. This week. Coming back to the States and the one o'clock hour, we have the Atlanta Falcons going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks are minus nine. All right. This game frustrates me because I wanted to bet on both of these teams this week and and we we cannot. I can't touch this game. Nope. So my basic rationale is that if I were going to bet it, I would have to bet the Falcons because the Bucs have been a little disappointing, especially on defense. Their defense is asshole. Oh my God. Okay, let's play a game. Look at this really stupid PFF rating. Uh, Tom Brady is the eighth ranked quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. Wow, what a stupid PFF rating. And (laughs) Marcus Mariota is 28. Marcus Mariota is 28th to them. What the fuck? Right, we use PFF because it lays out the starters in an aesthetically pleasing fashion, not because the grades are worth a goddamn. And they're good about injury updates. Good about injury updates. Uh, no, if you're going to bet on this game, I would say take Atlanta because eight and a half is a lot of points to give to a high scoring team that is playing a bad defense. And the Buccaneers defense is particularly susceptible to the kind of offense that the Falcons run with lots of play action and running and getting the ball underneath soft zones. Um, they throw downfield, but they like to throw in gaps of zones downfield. So this is just 
lining up for the Falcons. I um oh, additionally, the Falcons, like one of their Achilles heels is that they don't really pass protect very well. Uh well, that's convenient for the Bucks because they can't rush the passer for Dick. I I can't bet on the Falcons though, because the Buccaneers, after two straight losses, should be fucking furious. They should be rolling. Yeah, no, this is this screams a get right game for the Bucks, but I agree that the Falcons are the right side on this. Like if you're just trying to play the value game, you go Falcons all day. But it's just so so plausible that the Bucks go out there and hang 40 on them and give up like 10 points. So I don't want to bet on this one either. Um, we'll we'll revisit both of these teams next week because we're going to be betting on them again moving forward. But I think that uh, finishes us uh, finishes us up on that one. Moving on, we have the Chicago Bears going to play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are minus seven. So I was trying to think of a clever way to intro this that's penis related, but uh, all I can think is that this is a drop dead leg. Cue uh, cue David Lee Roth singing drop dead leg you got to put this in a parlay or a teaser right bears can't do shit yeah no i mean i don't want to take minus seven because that's just ripe for backdoor cover and with how bad and conservative that minnesota defense is Mm. it's just screaming to get upset in the last two minutes of the game granted they're going to continue to play too high because it's all they do like they run the matt eberflus defense ironically enough which is weird because I thought that Ed Donatel would be good, but also their personnel is so bad that maybe this is what he's forced to do until they recuperate. Regardless, the way to beat it, Jalen Hurts did a clinic. Andy Dalton did a clinic. You got to hit those those quick short throws and just be precise and on time because you're going to have space off of the release, right? Like the Rams offense would not struggle at all against these Vikings. But uh, Justin Fields proved under Matt Nagy that he is just completely the fuck incapable of operating a rhythm offense with short routes because he's not fast enough at thinking. Yes. So we kind of actually have an advantage. Like Minnesota's greatest weakness is not going to be exploited. It's a good point. Is it a good enough point to override minus seven? Oh, fuck no. I don't like betting yep. that large of a spread ever under any circumstance, much less with a bad quarterback. And a... I've learned that cock is really good at designing and calling plays, but cock is not great with game management. Like strategy wise, he's a little conservative. Uh, dare I say he shrinks in the spotlight or under pressure. I'm not in love with cock. I, I like cock, but I'm not in love. That said, Another schematic advantage. I mentioned that Matt Eberflus's defense is just wildly conservative and vanilla, right? They basically run like two man and cover two every play. Not a lot of blitzing, not a lot of disguise, not a lot of doing other things. It's it's basically two plays. It's like, are we running nickel man too high or are we running nickel zone cover two? It's mostly the zone. And we have found, this is something I actually picked up on this past week, there's a very clear pattern uh, just exhibiting itself. And that is that the Vikings are really good on script first play of every half or first drive of every half. And they're really good against vanilla or man defenses. We saw how they got, how they abused the Packers who refused to come out of their fog zone defenses. And we saw how they were able to abuse the saints when the saints ran man, but we saw how the Eagles shut them the fuck down in zone running more exotic zones. We saw how when the Saints switched it up and went to zone, they had much better results. 
frankly, I did not watch a lot of the Lions game because that game hurt me. I watched it and I couldn't really pay attention. It was bad football. So we've got a terrible team whose scheme on both sides of the ball is weak against, we're playing Pokemon here, uh, the Vikings are super effective on the Bears' offense and defensive schemes. I actually fucking love that that analogy, and I'm going to be using it a lot now. No. <laughs> yeah, no, It's it, it, we're a Pokemon football podcast now. Uh, are we going to be a Pokemon Go bet on football games? <laughs> Holy shit, that almost matches PBFG. It's really close. That's why Pokemon bet on football games. Uh um please please resume. Gotta bet them on Pokemon. Um yeah, so I just I think there's a lot of advantages, which is why this is absolutely a teaser play, absolutely a drop dead leg, and I'm even willing to throw it at the bottom of the maybe pile for just a pick straight up at seven. Yeah, I mean I I think we do have some pretty solid advantages we just talked about on top of being probably a little bit better of a team, but it's still too big of a number. I think it sits at the very bottom of the maybe pile, but yes. absolutely use this as a leg. There are a lot of big numbers this week, the so I think that'll lot. help you a ton and being able to find value in a week where there's not a ton of value otherwise. Yeah. But with that said, let's move on. Go to the bathroom. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions going to play the New England Patriots. Patriots are minus three. That looks like it's about to move, though. Well, the reason this might move is because Mac Jones might play. So wait, because you got to find that out first. And that's going to really inhibit our ability to take Indianapolis in the contest. Because I like this game. Detroit? What? Detroit? Oh, God, yeah. On the money line. They're they're beat up, man. I'm, I agree with you. I sent this one to you on Sunday night, Monday night, something like that. But uh, Amon Ross St. Brown probably isn't playing. Is that true? I mean, they said he was, he's progressing. He can run in a straight line now. That's not what you want to hear about your receiver. Yeah. They were like, oh yeah, he started running in a straight line today. And you're like, that's, that doesn't speak well to him playing in four days. So I don't think he's going to play. Is Swift playing? If he is, he is hurt. I like Jamal Williams too, though. I'm not concerned. I do, but the guy behind Jamal Williams, you know, because now you're going from a Swift and Williams to Williams and I don't know who their third running back is. So I think there's a downgrade there. Overall, though, I think, yeah, you 100% do this. Whether Mac Jones plays or it's Bailey Zappi or whoever. Honestly, I don't think it matters because you're going to get a hurt Mac Jones who's already got terrible pocket awareness and now he's got a hurt foot. We saw him be like skittish as all hell we saw him screaming in agony because he twisted his ankle you would have thought that somebody shoved a sword up his ass the way he was fucking crying what a bitch i fucking hate mac jones on a personal level um it doesn't hurt that he's terrible at football uh by the way you know mac jones is terrible at football because he's the patriots quarterback and michael lombardi was calling for him to be benched two weeks ago yeah that's not good. When Lombardi has turned on a Patriots quarterback. This is the same Lombardi blank. who calls Bill Belichick a close personal friend and one of his uh, most trusted confidants. Mac Jones can ruin any friendship. So, goddamn, the Lions are kind of beat up. Yeah, no, that's what I saw earlier today that their did not play list was long. I'm their do not practice. Listen to this. Listen to this. Their do not practice list included Amon Ross St. Brown, starting slot. DJ Chark, starting X. 
Quintez Cephas, backup slot. And Josh Reynolds, wide receiver two. And DeAndre Swift. And Frank Ragnow. And TJ Hawkinson. But just just the cluster injuries at, at wide receiver are insane. They are going to get... Brown. They are going to get... The whole O-line and all the playmakers. O-line I'm not worried about. Patriots can't rush the passer anyway. Um, were all of these players hurt this past week? Man, I'm not sure how much any of these receivers matter considering... Ben Johnson is a genius offensive coordinator who has put together such a productive offense with a bad quarterback and bad receivers. Like Amon Ross St. Brown's real good. He's real good. He's not elite and he's produ- he's making him produce like an elite player. Okay. Also, the answer to your question about injuries from last week. Obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift did not play. Uh, DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds both went into the game with questionable designations. Uh, Chark did not practice on Thursday, was limited Wednesday and Friday. Reynolds did not practice Wednesday, was limited Thursday, Friday. Hawkinson, Bobby Price, Frank Bragg now, uh, they were all did not play, did not participate, whatever it is, on Wednesday, and then were limited or in full on Thursday and Friday and went in with no designation. So we know it Hawkinson's seems like play. Wednesday they they take they take it really easy. So I think tomorrow, what their practice list looks like, if we get a bunch who did not participate again, then you probably know they're not playing. I would bet that DJ Chark, no, I would bet that it goes Josh Reynolds with Quintez Cephas or Tom Kennedy in the slot. And then TJ Hawkinson certainly plays. Jamal Williams plays. They got Justin Jackson as one of their backup running backs. I actually like him. Got a Northwestern, played in San Diego for a while. They have their full complement of corners back because Amani Orowarie is finally getting healthy. And the Patriots suck. They do suck. Like, man, I wish we fucking recorded a day later so I could have some certainty, but we're looking at either Bailey Zappi, the interception throwing king, or an injured Mac Jones, the intercepting interception throwing prince against a zone opportunistic defense who I think has a chance to play better this week uh, than they have in the past. Like, they haven't really had a cupcake opponent on offense. I think they finally have one. Yeah, I mean, they have been the worst defense in football to this point. And yeah, that's very results-based. I know, and, and it's legitimate. They've been not good. Uh, but Seattle is sneaky, a decent offense. Like, I like their scheme a lot. And if you don't pressure Geno Smith and give him the short throws, he'll hit him. And that's what yeah, they did. I mean, I think he's he's leading the league in completion percentage at like 74% or something. Yeah, and a lot of that is because of what they ask him to do. Yeah. But, I mean, he's still pretty good. Uh, so the Seahawks offense isn't bad. Additionally... The Jaguars, they play the Jaguars, right? Yep. Yeah. Jaguars offense, when Trevor Lawrence is not fumbling all over himself, good. Eagles offense, I would say they're pretty good. Washington offense, not so good. Did they, they play the Vikings or am I making that up? They played the Vikings and they held also them to a decent offense. Held them to 24. That's fine because they play zones and even bad zones are good at beating Minnesota. I don't know. I kind of like the matchup. I think we have a what little is- bit of. What is what do the Patriots play on defense? The Patriots are extremely variable on defense. They do fucking everything. So um, play a lot of zone this week. Well, no, no, no. Or a lot of man. No, it doesn't matter. the The Lions' offense, they have answers for everything. It's the Vikings' offense that can't solve zone. Oh yeah, I'm getting all mixed up. You're good. You're good. I should have been more specific with my uh, no pronouns. Use specific proper nouns. Um, Stay away from the pronouns. <laughs> In broadcasting and in daily life these days. Um, no, so the Patriots are 
probably going to roll out starting cornerbacks of Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones. That that assuages my concerns about the Lions not having their full complement of receivers. I would say yeah, as bad. That helps. I mean, have the we're Patriots getting points too? Fuck this shit, dude. We're taking the Lions. Let's the, do it. The fucking Cash. Packers threw a pick six last week, and Aaron Rodgers played like shit in an offense devoid of weaponry and still won in pretty convincing fashion, not on scoreboard, but in like gameplay. I test. Yeah. I think Goff and Rodgers have been fairly comparable. Not totally. Rodgers has been better, but in terms of performance, they've been very similar this year. Statistically, Goff is outclassing it, but I would say that they're very similar in terms of actual on film performance this year. I think Ben Johnson is a fucking insane offensive coordinator. He's he's gonna be a head coach next year. You think next year? Dude, he's you think so Freddie Kitchens him? It's not just that he's so fucking good at coach. No, he won't be the Lions head coach. He'll be a different team's head coach. Yeah, it's not just that he's streamlined after one year. It's not just that he's so good at calling plays. It's that he isn't like the other really good play callers. Basically, everybody's a good play caller is basically a Shanahan McVay disciple. He's different. He does his own fucking thing. He's super creative. He's downfield, aggressive as fuck. It's a vertical passing attack, but it's not ignorant and ballsy like the Bruce Arians tree. I love it. He gets dudes open. Really good at running like scissor concepts where you've got like a like a slant or a post and then a corner behind it. He just gets dudes open and and not particularly good dudes. When they get back JMO, Jamison Williams, it's going to be over. Yeah, he's going to take that offense into another oh, stratosphere. God for, he's just, God for they get a quarterback, fucking, man. I was about to say, God for fucking bid, they get a quarterback with some arm. Oh, all right. Oh, we need to move on to this game before. <laughs> don't, don't finish too quick over there. Oh. Uh, Lions plus three, a bet. Cha-ching! And, and for the pod picks, we're doing a money line. Okay. I don't give a fuck. Next up, we have the Houston Texans going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are minus seven. Gross. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. No, we're, we're not fucking betting this game. Um, So we need to make one note off of last week for the Jaguars, which is just Trevor Lawrence cannot play in the rain. He had the one terrible game at Clemson against Pitt in the rain, and then he was putrid in this. Dude, he had like like three well-executed throws. I'm not exaggerating. And four fumbles, all of which were unprompted. Don't bet on Trevor Lawrence in the rain. Yeah, bet against that down. Trevor Lawrence in the rain. Somebody write that down. Um, I live bet on Trevor Lawrence in that game, and I was mistaken. That said, I don't want to touch this game. The Jaguars should be pissed off and they should be, they should go. But Houston's always a tough out. If you make, if you make a bunch of mistakes, Houston will bite you in the ass. They feel kind of ripe for a biting somebody in the ass because they haven't done it in a minute. Yeah. And I just think like the Jags, while they have started really hot and have looked way better than anyone expected them to, they're still not a good team. I don't think they're, they're a middling team, I think, but the Texans are bad. Seven is a really big number, even with a bad team. Um, And it's a division game. I'm still waiting to see if this is who the Jags actually are, or if maybe they just kind of like caught some lightning in the bottle at the beginning of the year. I think the Jags are good. I just don't trust them to lay seven because they're a young and mistake prone team. Yeah. And that I think that goes into why I don't think they're actually a good team. yet. Why well, I think they're middle of the road. They I have a high ceiling, but they can also implode. I think as they get a little bit more experience and we come to know exactly what Trevor Lawrence is a little bit more, they will be a good team and soon in short order. But I'm just not ready. Yep. I'm in the same boat. I think, you know, even next year. Oh, they could they They should honestly be in conversation for the winning that division. They but should. They should win that division next year. 
but as of right now, I I don't think they're there yet, and I'm not laying seven on a team that I think is young and growing, but still not great. Especially against a Houston team that I just believe is dangerous. I think they're underrated a little bit, and they're ripe for snapping somebody in the ass. That's it. All right, so we will leave that game and move on. Next up, we have the Los Angeles Chargers going to play the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are plus two and a half. I, I hope you just heard me huffing because this is one of those games where the just pure power rankings of it says you got to take the Chargers, but the matchups say you can't. Yep. You know, Herbert is apparently feeling better. He's throwing in practice. Playing well. He's yeah, he's still not going to be 100 percent. I think he's going to be better than he has been, though. The Browns have been busting coverages left and right. They just haven't really been playing well in the secondary generally. Seems to be a theme with Joe Woods. Yeah, he's not good. They need to get rid of him, but they refuse to. And that lines up really well with Justin Herbert being able to take advantage of of some downfield plays and make the Browns pay really quickly, which is what has happened in previous years when they've played. But then you go to the other side where the Chargers can't stop the run. They've been better this year, but they're still not good against the run. Nope. And the Browns are the best running team in the league, in my opinion. I would say that the Browns are the best running team in the NFL. Uh, I don't like saying that because I love my Falcons. Hashtag my Falcons, Dean Pease. But yeah, no, the, the Browns are really good at running the ball. They're really good at five to 10 highly schemed rollout passes per game. <sighs> yeah, no, I, I want, I don't, I don't know how the Chargers overcome their terrible coaching in this game. And with Joey Bosa out, the it Browns only gets harder. Coaching outdoes them. I, it's going to be just like last year. It's going to be exactly like last year. It, when the Browns and Chargers played last year in week four, I watched that game in Arizona. This was my traveling era. Um, yeah. Uh, in that game, Justin Herbert played pretty good and Baker Mayfield played very average. But Baker Mayfield put up big stats and big points because the Chargers just busted shit left and right. And the Browns busted big runs against them because Brandon Staley thinks that that's a smart thing to just let teams run for eight yards a clip on you or something outrageous like that. Um, Brandon Staley's thought process is basically if we're the worst run defense in the league, people will run on us a lot, but they'll still only get like five, six yards of play. And if we're an average pass defense and people pass on us a lot, they'll get like seven, eight yards of play. So we would rather they run because that's a smaller average number. Um, the problem is that the run game has lower variance. So if they're averaging six yards of play, they're going to get six yards every fucking play and they're going to get a lot of first fucking downs and they're going to get fucking a lot of points. So you're going to lose and not get the turnovers and not have the sacks or the incompletions that a defense can live off of. But like, see the Steelers. He's doing the opposite of the Steelers um, and the Ravens and a lot of other really good defenses or at least well-schemed defenses. So yeah, fuck Brandon Staley. This is our weekly segment. Fuck Brandon Staley. He's a dumbass. Fuck Brandon Staley. He's a dumbass. Fuck Brandon Staley. He's a dumbass. Humor. And also to you. Um, <laughs> we're singing a lot this week because we don't have sound bites. But yeah, no, this game is really tough to handicap. I, I'm so tempted because I get the better team with the better quarterback in a battle of bad coaches who fuck themselves out of wins, laying less than a field goal, but Herbert is still hurt, and that could rear its ugly head with one good pop from Miles Garrett. Yep, and no Joey Bosa, so it's all on Khalil Mack, and that Browns O-line is very good. You know, Jacoby will not be You nailed it on the uh, Ethan Pocheech. 
he's stepped in great. Told you he's fucking good. The the only not great player on that line is Jedrick Wills. Also nailed it. Also nailed it. Yeah, you called that from day one. But he has a much easier matchup because Joey Bosa is not playing. Yeah, and Miles Garrett is probably well. Miles Garrett has a little bit of a decision to make with his life because he's either gonna line up on Trey Pipkins who sucks, or he's gonna line up on. Oh God, I can't say this first name. Jamari. Jamari, I guess. You guess. Salier, who is a dude who's always been like, he's a rookie out of Georgia. We should start with that at left tackle. And he's a dude who, he was good at Georgia. He wasn't great, but he was good. But he was super unathletic. And you could tell. And then in his debut last week, he was good, but still super unathletic. But he was good. So I don't know what to do with him. I would imagine, I don't have a very in-depth scouting report on him just yet, but I would imagine you're going to have a little bit of the dynamic we like to play upon with Jonah Williams over in Cincinnati, where he's a really good technician. He gets the game. You could just, you could be a monster and he can't do anything about it. We've seen, I mean, this is like the Miles Garrett special. Find a technician, maul him to death. Yes. Just be an athletic specimen so that the guy cannot keep up. Yeah. Like your footwork can be great, but if Miles Garrett is just faster and stronger than you, you're going to fall. Yeah. He, he's going to run to the quarterback and or running back. <sighs> I hate this. We're gonna, It's a maybe pile for me because I just, the matchups yeah, say don't I, do it. I, I think we put chargers in the maybe pile because the line is very juicy. It's super actionable. Oh, it's a more talented team. We're supposed to have win by a field goal. Good weather in Cleveland. No, no wind, no clouds, 60 degrees. You can't ask for better. A rare, nice fall day in Cleveland, Ohio. God. And like we were talking about, we can't even, you don't even have the Brandon Staley effect that much because you have Kevin Spansky on the other side. So you're going to have two guys battling out who can make the worst late game decision. Stefanski is a little different than Brandon Staley in that when, when Stefanski is doing when Stefanski's trying to score points, he's actually pretty good at facilitating that. I agree. If Stefanski was just an offensive coordinator with an overbearing head coach who had the right mindset, he would be really good. Because when when Stefanski puts his foot on the gas pedal, the Browns are good. Like they're a well-schemed, good offense. But he never does it. And he will consistently try to squat on a lead that isn't strong enough, play prevent defense and run the ball up the gut out of obvious heavy sets, and the game will fall through his hands. He also doesn't really have enough diversity of plays, but that could be a, f- a little bit related to the fact that his quarterback now sucks ass. And his quarterback last year was hurt. Yeah, but those late game, the playing possum at the yeah. end of the game with yeah. small leads is exactly how the Chargers win. And it's exactly how the Browns blow late game leads like they always do with Kevin Stefanski. It's true. But yeah, I mean, I know we've talked about this game for a really long time now. I think, yeah, we just leave it in the maybe pile. We will come back if need be. God, I hate bad coaches. Yeah, but we can punt this one to the end of the podcast. Currently snarling, but yes. Next up, we have the Miami Dolphins going to play the New York Jets. The Jets are plus three, but that number looks like it's about to move. Yeah, this number is a is going to probably move to roughly Miami plus or minus two and a half. Um, 
if I had the sound bites, I would currently be doing the Pornhub intro sound bite because I fucking like this line. Okay, so I have it on Bovada that it looks like it's about to go to three and a half. You think so? That's what it has because it has it at minus 120 on the Dolphins, hmm. minus three, and it's even. Well, then play that shit right the fuck now. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. I want the minus three if I can take it. No sense in waiting. Um, God, I love this. So Zach Wilson looked okay in his return last week. He wasn't good, but he had a couple of really good drives, sets of downs, whatever. Yeah, he, he flashed. He Exactly, he flashed. You saw some things where you were like, oh, maybe he can play in this league, which would be good because currently I feel bad about Zach Wilson as uh, one of my misses. I thought he would be an okay starting quarterback one day, like somewhere in the 16 to 10 range. And after last year, I was like, did I fucking miss completely on this guy? And seeing what I saw last because I was like, maybe no. Um, that said, I still love the Dolphins. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a legitimate upgrade from Tua, especially with a long week of preparation because they got the mini buy to get their new starting quarterback up to speed. We, I mean, we saw right away Teddy Bridgewater offers this offense something that Tua simply does not. Teddy threw a 59-yard downfield bomb and it was accurate to Tyreek. It was a it was a step behind, but when you're throwing 60 yards, I'll allow you that. Uh, throwing 60 yards downfield is really rare. Like 60 yards downfield plus another about 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's fucking rare. I didn't know Teddy Bridgewater ever had that in him, much less this version of Teddy Bridgewater, who's old and broken. Yeah, I was shocked he was able to put it that far downfield and accurately. Yeah, no. This now, was a, my, do you worry that be, they're going to change how they run the offense? No. I know Teddy, you know, not even they didn't bit. expect to have him in. So he wasn't ready, but it looked like they went to just running the ball with him. Like they were much less ready to get it into the hands of Tyreek and Waddle throwing. They did throw the ball less. And oddly, Tyreek and Waddle were featured far less. I don't know if it's because they got their snaps reduced because they were tired on a short week. I don't know what the hell it was, but they did play less football. Um... I think that they will go back to running the same old offense. I think there were just some things that Teddy wasn't ready for. And I think they knew that. Additionally, they ran the ball a lot in the fourth quarter because it was a close game and they were driving. And but for an interception, they were going to pull the game off exactly how they wanted and win by two. Um, I think they have every reason to be encouraged with Teddy and literally everything we've heard from Mike McDaniel, who's been a pretty straight shooter so far with the media. He's spoken a lot and he like hasn't been full of shit, which is weird and I did not expect. Sober King. Sober King. Right? Brutally honest. Um, he said like he doesn't think the team changes one bit with Teddy over Tua. Like it's the same shit. By the way, uh, in PFF, what the fuck is this grade? Teddy Bridgewater unranked because he doesn't qualify, but got a really bad PFF grade for a game against Cincinnati in which he played better than Joe Burrow and or Tua. What the fuck? PFF. Um, dude, I love this shit because it's also um it's two coaches who know each other very well. Robert Salah, Sela, Salah, uh, Sulu. I think it's, for, um, I think it's Salah. I think it's uh, Salah, like the guy from Indiana Jones with the bad dates. Um, you might be right. I have no. I'm probably actually wrong, but it's fun that way. So, uh, bad dates. Salah runs a very vanilla cover three scheme. He rushes four. He drops everybody else in zones. He likes to have his safeties go very deep. He likes to have one of his corners go very deep. It's very simple. And Mike McDaniel is not simple. Mike McDaniel is awesome at finding ways to get his receivers the ball in space, especially against deeper dropping zones. This is a hell of a matchup. And Mike McDaniel knows it. 
because these guys coach together in San Francisco for years. And when you have two coaches who coach against each other a lot or know each other very well, strong advantage to the coach who is smarter. And I don't think anybody would deny that Mike McDaniel is the smarter, better coach by a lot. The Yale grad? Well, we're the Yale for football, so let's pump the brakes there. <laughs> hey, Richard Sherman went to Stanford. He was also the valedictorian of the high school he went to where his mom just happened to be principal and he just happened to be the star athlete. It just happened to be a terrible school district. I see nothing fishy. Um, I, I really like the Dolphins. This is minus three. It's on the list already. This was one of my favorite. This might be the best bet at minus three. Yeah, I mean, I think it might speak a little bit to the strength of the card this week, but I think you might be right. Like... We love I mean, Miami's I don't... roster. We love Miami's roster and coaching. Their roster is better than who they are playing by a significant margin. Their coaching is better with an advantage in both scheme and uh, familiarity. Also, we think they upgraded at quarterback, which was their biggest weakness coming into the year. And finally, the Dolphins, who blitz a lot and exotically, are going up against a terrible and extremely injured offensive line in which Elijah Vera Tucker, their starting left guard, is now their starting left tackle. Is Wayne Brown back this week? No. No, they took him off IR, but... I don't think he's playing. Yeah, no, that's a very bad O-line. And to the extent that he is, it's his first game in like well, of the season for sure. And he was injured last year, was he not? I think so. I'm pretty sure it'd be his first game in about a calendar year. He And he's old as fuck. He's not going to be uh, quite Dwayne Brown yet. Yeah. I mean, my, my worry is that the Jets have an advantage with their playmakers with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Garrett Wilson. But I don't think it's a big enough difference to make up for the fact that they should be able to get crazy pressure and the Dolphins offense should be able to score. I also don't, will, I don't know if that's a great advantage because like, okay, Corey Davis is mids, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would just stick Xavier Howard on him and just be like, yeah, one of you, you guys are both possession dudes. Xavier Howard's probably a little faster. Nothing's happening here. And then I made jokes about how Cater Kohu probably isn't a top 10 corner in the NFL PFF, but like he has played really well. And Garrett Wilson is good, not great, you know, because he's young. He'll get better. But even still, like I, I'm just not very high on Garrett Wilson. He'll be okay. I think that Cater Kohu can handle him, especially with Javon Holland and help at free safety and sometimes nickel. And then Elijah Moore has been a disappointment. I still believe in him, but you are right to this point. Man, I actually don't think the Jets have a shot in hell. And that's all assuming that Zach Wilson plays decent football, which we know he doesn't often do. We're going to knock on some wood real quick. All right, Miami is a pick, and for now, they're our best bet. Cha-ching! Woo! Miami minus three. All right, well, let's move on. Next up, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers going to play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are minus 14. Thank you, next. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we don't need to talk about this game. No, we don't need to talk about this game. Good for Kenny Pickett. I mean, you, you could use the Bills as a, uh, a money-lined leg. Not really worth it. Yeah, I don't think you'll get any value on it. No, that's going to be like, that'll move your line on your other bet, like five, 10 cents. Oh, if you want to use that to get back on the Dolphins at uh, minus three, one, 10, go ahead. There you go. But nothing else from this game. No, we're not doing this game. Let's move on. Next game, we have the Seattle Seahawks going to play the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are minus five and a half. <sighs> That's a big number. It is, especially for 
a team where no Jameis again. Granted, Andy Dalton played well last week. Andy Dalton, but... no, no, no. That's the first thing. Andy Dalton's a massive upgrade over Jameis right now, at least in this offense. And then Michael Thomas didn't practice today. I don't care at all. He sucks. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think he's he's a useful part of that offense just because of how the way the way they operate, especially now with Andy Dalton back there, where getting short open routes. Yeah, but the more they throw to Chris Olave, the better they'll be. And they still have Jarvis Landry and Marquise Callaway who can do the same. I'm I can play body position and not get actually separated thing. Yeah, it's replaceable. All right. So <laughs> what's your feeling on this game? Pain. Um, so we know exactly how the Seahawks uh, are going to schematically operate against the uh, Saints because we just saw it. Like we like cock. We we talk a lot about cock. But Shane Waldron, fans of cock on this. No, we're, we're fans of cock, and we're not. We don't even love cock as much as we say we love cock. We just like to say we love cock because we want to say cock. Really yeah, earn that explicit children. rating that we get labeled on Spotify. But we know exactly how the Saints are going to handle this game on defense because we saw it against cock. Shane Waldron is arguably a better version of the same shit that Cock runs. It's it's Sean McVay circa 2019, 2020 even. It's a lot of play action. It's a lot of slide routes. It's a lot of just trying to get somebody in a little bit of space. And it's a lot of relying on one receiver to do it. So we saw how the Saints did it. They tried some zones. They're not particularly great in zone, but they tried some zones. It mostly worked. There was a couple of mistakes by Marshawn Lattimore, who's otherwise a great corner. Uh, oh, Tyler Lockett's healthy. Look at that. That's rare. Geno Smith, number one quarterback in the NFL, according to PFF. Because he completes passes. Because he completes short passes. And I think that the Saints will be better equipped to handle it after having seen something so similar last week. I think that they handled it pretty well last week. I mean, there were, what, two fumbles in the red zone and the Vikings didn't capitalize on any. They couldn't score any fucking touchdowns. They got nine points on field goals from turnovers and did not. And like, fuck it. God damn it. The Saints are the right pick. God damn it. Five and a half, though. The Vikings are the good Seahawks. And the Saints just in London without Alvin Kamara should have beaten the Seahawks, or I mean the Vikings, by six. Yeah, they're home now. Fuck. Seahawks got to travel all the way over there. Well, they're... I don't know, man. Five and a half. Dude, who's traveling further, the Seahawks or the Saints? <laughs> I honestly yeah, don't know. Are, it's, they get to sleep in their own beds. True. It's a slight advantage. And then, you know, it's also like loud as fuck in there, and they're used to the, the dome. Ah, fuck me. God damn it. I want to take the Saints, but I don't have the balls. I've been so disappointed in them, and I don't want to say Andy Dalton is good, but Andy Dalton is better than Jameis in this offense. Fuck. All right, so we're going to maybe pile it. Yeah, we'll maybe pile it. Fuck. I want, I, I don't have the, I, all cock, no balls. <laughs> all right, with that said, let's move on. And to finish out the one o'clock hour, we have the Tennessee Titans going to play the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are plus two and a half. Lord, forgive me. I want to go back to my bullshit. I want to take I know, the Titans I was on a short say, I know what you want to do. I, I can wanna... see it. I want you so bad. These Washington, these, yo, if Dan Snyder didn't need Ron Rivera for the incredible PR of not only being a minority coach, but also beating cancer, he would be gone. <laughs> Apparently the, the Redskins have completely turned on their coach. Oh, really? And since they're the commanders now, it's a proper mutiny. Oh, nicely done. <laughs> 
Uh, by the way, spoke with my also native sister today about possibly watching the Washington versus Chicago Thursday night game. She likes the name Commanders better than the name Redskins. We have differing opinions and allegedly identical lineage. Uh, so people can differ, even if one Look of them that. is kind of a little bitch who lives in Brooklyn. Uh, Unlike you, totally not a bitch who lives in Manhattan. Midtown Manhattan, the the you know the gritty blue collar part. My office in Times Square, which is super duper fucking hard, dude. Um, yeah, no, I mean, just this Washington offensive line is putrid, and Wentz also doesn't help. Like I was, um, I was listening to Pardon My Take, where everybody gets all of the good football knowledge from. But Kyle Long was on today, and he was talking about how he went down, he went and he broke down every snap of the Washington game, not this week, but the week prior, where Wentz had nine sacks. And he went through with the explicit purpose of figuring out like, okay, which ones were on Wentz, which ones were on the O-line, which ones were just the defensive line being badass. Nine sacks. The first five were all on the offensive line getting beaten. That's fucking rough, dude. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. Because once you get sacked five times. Yeah, that, your game goes to shit. I don't care who you are. As yeah. a Bears fan, I've I watched that many times in my youth. Like, Jay Culler gets sacked five times and start just doing the like, who cares? Like, fuck it. I'm going to throw the quick route because I don't want to get hit again. So they're especially weak on the inside, right? Like every one of their interior linemen, they should all question whether or not they have a spot in the NFL next year. And and that includes, well, honestly, it's Tri Turner and Andrew Norwell. And both of those guys are like, okay, guards historically, but they've just been so bad this year. They're just washed up. Yeah. Trey Turner has been washed up for a couple of years. Norwell, after he got that big deal in uh, Jacksonville, yeah, just really hasn't been the same. But so you got, I mean, that's the only area that the Titans are good on defense is Jeffrey Simmons, monster. For my money, for my money, I'm going to say it. This year, DT1, this Fuck year. you, Aaron Donald. This year. Aaron Donald, <laughs> shrimp bitch. Was he my second What's favorite? His name like Aaron. Was he my favorite or my second favorite uh, draft prospect of all time as a scout? Yes, but shrimp bitch. Also the best defensive player I've ever seen. But no, Jeffrey Simmons is just, he brings the intensity that Aaron Donald sometimes lacks these days. Uh, also doesn't get double and triple teamed as much, makes it easier for him to flash. This is not an anti-Aaron Donald take. This is a pro Jeffrey Simmons take. Danico Autry is also very good as their other defensive tackle. They kind of play like both four techs, like they're neither of them is a three tech or sorry, two techs. Whoops, not four techs. They both play two tech. Neither of them is a nose. Neither is a three. They're both just really well-rounded, good tackles who play all of the positions in the middle. Um, so they're going to get pressure on those bad washed guards in the terrible center. And then you got to figure that Bud Dupree can do something once. Maybe not. Maybe yeah, not. that's that's the thing I worry about is they'll definitely get pressure up the middle, but will once be able to just escape out the sides because the tackles have actually been solid for Washington and the edges for Tennessee are not great. Yeah. On, on the bright side, I mean, Tennessee has come into their own a little bit on, on both sides of the ball, but the more... Well, Christian Fulton's healthy again. That's good. Yeah. Roger McCreary is getting more experience, and I think he'll be a fine slot corner. Your old buddy Terrence Mitchell, the definition of average, is going to have a hard time with Deami Brown, but I don't trust Wentz. And then on the the, the the handicap really comes down to the other side of the ball. Dude, Washington's defense sucks. It's actively really terrible. 
yeah, I mean, they, they're getting some push on that D-line from those tackles. And is it Josh Sweat or Mon- no, Montez Sweat? This is Montez. Washington. I like Montez. Josh is in Philly. Yeah, Montez is great. I like Montez a lot. I don't think he's great, but he's good. He's solid. Yeah. You're, he, you know who he is? Great he's Ezekiel Ansa all over again. Really athletic, not explosive as a player, though. Gets you some pressure, good against the run. Fine. But without the massive injury questions that arose for Ziggy Ansah. And the allegedly uh, fraudulent age. I was going to say, and possibly being 45 years old. Correct. But beyond the line, which has also underperformed for what we expected. from Totally. Them, the defense has been just atrocious. Well, so we knew the linebackers kind of sucked. Like we knew two of the linebackers were going to be terrible, and then maybe Jamin Davis learns how to play football this year. He hasn't. And then we were thinking maybe William Jackson like turns back into a decent corner, and he is not. And then because he has not, they're playing a lot of Benjamin St. Juiced. He's so bad. <laughs> so bad. He's got two lucky interceptions this year, but he's so bad. So it's just their corners all suck. Kendall Fuller is having a down year, and – He's supposed to be a slot. Um, I'm not impressed by their safeties. I know Cameron Curl's getting hype according to PFF. He's their number one safety. I think that's wrong. Uh, Tannehill is low-key been good. I would say the last two weeks, Tannehill and Derrick Henry, too. The last three weeks, been... Tannehill was low-key kind of good against Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, things got, got away from him so quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, definitely the last two weeks, they have been, I mean, what, they beat the Colts? And who'd they beat week three? <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> Raiders. Fuck yes, and we bet on that game, and it was a close good game. Yep. So, I mean, the the Titans have been playing better recently, yeah. and are maybe a little bit more of what we thought they would be, and not what they were the first two weeks. Yeah, and it turns out that, like, getting beaten bad by the Bills is not the worst offense. Yeah. Especially that, when, like, Vrabel needed happened. to pull his head out of his ass. And Vrabel's pulled his head out of his ass a little bit. They've They've... They've started throwing the ball early in the game. Now, Vrabel still turtles late. It's like, oh, we're winning by two. Give the ball to Derrick Henry for the rest of the game automatically. But we only got to win by two and a half. We've got a terrible team that's a terrible team that's imploding psychologically. And like the Titans have I mean, every, think, everything to play for. Yeah. And I think you're right in that we're getting the two teams on like opposite trends of Washington is, is spiraling into a lost year. I think I think one Whereas, more loss and they're at the play Sam Howell point. That would be fun. I would actually enjoy that. But I, I honestly wouldn't because it's just such a bad situation. I don't want to see him get broken. That's fair. It'd be I'd, I'd just be happy seeing Sam Howell, Sam Howell get some uh, PT. But I like Titans. I I agree with you. My the only reason I'm hesitating is because it's two and a half, and I worry that Vrabel is somehow going to win by two. Oh, these are two teams that score odd amounts of points all the fucking time. These are two teams that are prime for like, how did they score 16 points in a football game? But they did. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think we do it. We, we shed the ghosts of past years and bet on the Titans and prepare for some Mike Vrabel fuckery. <sighs> yeah. Let's fucking do it. Cha-ching. It's a reluctant cha-ching. God damn it, Vrabel, if you fuck me on this, I'll cut your dick off myself. You won't even have to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. A, I'm not I'm not going to touch Mike Vrabel. No assault or battery. I promise. I'll be respectful. I'll, I'll give you a stern look. So let's say this is a recorded admission. Um. <laughs> 
God, dear Lord Christ, please don't let Mike Vrabel get assaulted or battered this weekend. I can't fucking take that. <laughs> you know what? Titans will win this bet, and then we don't have to assault or batter Mike Vrabel or even think about it. We're clear. Exactly. Next game before I really fucking indict myself. Let's move on. And moving on to the four o'clock hour. First up, we have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are plus seven, but looks like it's about to move to seven and a half. We just can't fucking touch a game the Panthers are in. They're nope. they're the worst coach team I've ever seen in my life. And I watched some Hugh Jackson Browns. I'd say I watched Freddie Kitchens Browns, and I think these guys are up there. Okay, I figured out one of their biggest issues, and and when I say it, you're going to think I'm crazy. I don't think that their offensive line coach has ever heard about how to block up a West Coast offense or an RPO offense, because it seems I'm very serious when I'm saying this. I'm not even like trying to be facetious or like make a fun, exaggerated way to say like, oh, these dudes suck. <laughs> no, like I legitimately do not think that the Panthers offensive line has been coached on the difference between blocking an RPO or a quick hitter and a seven-step drop. Because I, I've done some film watching to figure out and get to the bottom of all these batted balls Baker's thrown. Because Baker Mayfield has thrown a batted ball on roughly 10% of his throws this year. That's fucking unheard of. Yeah, Le- that's insane. League Arnie. average is about one point. Somewhere between 1.5 and 2%, depending on which quarterbacks you count, uh, over the last few years. Baker Mayfield's average in Cleveland, mind you, with Hugh Jackson, with Freddie Kitchens, with awful offensive lines for at least half of that time, was a little under 2%. So so he was about, he was a slightly more than average pass batted guy, but very average. Like Josh Allen was about 1.8%. So the difference is 0.1%, 0.2%. It's not a lot. It's nothing. That's the equivalent of like one extra batted pass a year. That's livable. Right now at 10%, we're talking about a dozen to 20 batted balls per year extra. He's looking at three batted balls a game so far, whereas he used to be looking at like 0.5, 0.6. This is ridiculous. So I went through and I watched and I was like, why the fuck is this happening? Well, it turns out almost exclusively it's happening because you've got offensive linemen who are not engaging with the defensive linemen. Like they're not putting hands on them. They're just backing up into the pocket on quick throws, like one step, three step drops. And the defensive linemen are just standing there completely untouched. Like, uh, okay, I guess I'll jump because what the fuck? And I promise you that the one inch difference in Baker Mayfield's height versus Aaron Rodgers height or, you know, insert quarterback here, like the top, Josh Allen, six, five, he's, he's second in the league in batted ball so far this year at the line of scrimmage, because the, the four inches of height difference don't really change that much when you've got a seven foot, six foot guy jumping up in the air with his arms above his head. You can't throw the ball short with somebody putting a 10 foot barrier in front of your face. It's just literally physically not possible. I've done the I've done the math. Um, Who did math do, or Joe? No, I literally sat down and broke out some fucking old school geometry on this bitch because I was like, okay, if JJ Watt, who's about six foot six, has his arms above his head, which means you add about three feet to his height because you subtract about a foot for his head, but then you add back three and a half to four feet for his arm length. And he is jumping about a foot in the air conservatively. He is about 10 or 11 feet in the air, minus the 6.5 feet of the angle of the launch point. Or I mean, of yeah, of the launch point of the ball. You do all the math on the right triangle that exists. You've got a 35% launch angle. The shortest possible pass to throw without literally playing 500 on this bitch is about 20 yards downfield. 
So if you want to throw a five yard out to DJ Moore and you got that barrier in your way, you can't. You just can't. Unless you throw hard enough that it can literally go through his body like an artillery. You got to sidearm it, man. Yeah, sidearm it right through his titty. That's the other thing is like in these plays, the defensive ends typically have outside leverage. So he can't throw around them. You'd have to step up and then throw it lefty or something. It's not possible. There's just nothing you can fucking do when your offensive line is this incompetent. You're supposed to, as an offensive lineman on one of these plays, anchor yourself a step behind the line of scrimmage, stab them in the stomach so they can't jump, and let them push you over if they have to. You're only trying to keep them on the ground where they are for a split second. And the Panthers' offensive line gives ground. So they're going to continue getting balls batted a lot. Nick Bosa is going to eat lunch. Armstead? Armstead will bat three balls himself. This is This is... There's nothing Carolina can do. Matt Rule will be fired shortly. I pray to God that Baker Mayfield just fucking takes his ball and goes home because it's better for his physical health. It's not getting better. It is terrible. I've never seen something so poorly run. Just watch now the Panthers will win this game on three Jimmy G pick sixes and 150 yards from Baker. (laughs) We're not betting this fucking game. No, I mean, I if I was going to take anyone, it'd be San Fran because I think they'll, they, they're not going to give up points. Like, mm-hmm. They're just going to be able to create so much pressure that it won't matter. But at seven, going to seven and a half, I'm I, I'm not doing it. There's a part of me that wants to make this a drop dead leg, but I don't yeah, want to. It, I don't want to do it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but there, he's just so inconsequential to their success. I think I I do think that the Panthers will be able to stop the run quite a bit. This is going to be a low scoring game. Yeah, and so then seven to. Uh, I know we're talking about legs, but I don't think it's as good of a leg as Minnesota. But I think it's still a good one to throw in there. Yeah, it's a leg. I mean, if we're saying that Baker Mayfield's team is a sure thing to get fucked, you probably think that it's a goddamn sure thing to get fucked. So stay away from the Panthers unless you're betting against them. And if you want to use this as a leg, be my guest. Seven points is a lot to lay with two running teams that are going to increase the variance and decrease the scoring. But leg, low end leg. All right. Well, let's move on. Next up, we have the Dallas Cowboys going to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are minus five. I don't know what to do with this game either. I really don't. I don't want to bet on the Rams for a little bit. I can't blame you at all. Uh, We identified earlier that they have a very serious and very tangible problem on their roster in that they have no team speed. Additionally, Dallas is a team that likes to run those quick hitters on offense like San Francisco did last week. And the Rams have proven that they're going to let you take them. I think Dallas is the side, honestly, if anything, but I don't like five and a half. Yeah, I agree. Dallas is the side, especially because I think they're going to be able to get after Stafford. And as we saw last week, as we've seen since he's been there, when they get really pressured, that offense starts falling apart. Like I said, man, they can't go deep. You can't. You, you want to burn Trevon Diggs? You really want to get Trevon Diggs? Run a double move. You can't run a double move because you can't hold up on, oh my God, Micah Parsons. Right? That's what I'm saying. Micah Parsons is going to kill him. Yeah, Mass Harris is going to die. Do we take the Cowboys? We might, but are we oh, betting I... on Cooper Rush for a second week in a row? Yes, Cooper Rush is as good as Dak. Might be better. I like the trajectory of his ball better. He throws it with much more zip. Man, Dak is not good. <sighs> Fuck. Fuck me. I'm terrified of this bet, but it's right. Are we but... overreacting to last week? Yeah, and that, that is why I'm not doing... Like, in my brain, there's currently a battle 
between my ability to evaluate what I've seen on a football field, which is the meme, verbal meme of Hannibal Burris saying, why are you booing me? I'm right. And then the other side is my gambling brain. That's like, Joe, everybody just watched the Rams get fucked on Monday Night Football. They're undervalued right now by definition. And the Cowboys are the Cowboys. So they're double undervalued by definition. But it is going to be an away game for the Rams, despite being at home. I have been to a Cowboys game at SoFi. It is all Cowboys fans. In Los Angeles, the power rankings of football teams that people are fans of go Raiders 1, Cowboys 2, Rams 3, probably like the Eagles or Bills 4, and then like 7 is the Chargers. That sounds right. Yeah, no, trust me, it's right. To see fucking Cowboys flags on fucking cars. You can't find Rams apparel in stores. That's crazy. It's, when it's I was in Arizona, there was a lot of Cowboys stuff, but still, if you like went to a store, it was Cardinal stuff. LA is a weird place. I love it, but it doesn't fit me at all. They don't care about football. They har- they care about baseball to the extent they can wear the hat. <laughs> Something. Um, okay, back to this bet. No, I'm just I'm so, staring at Micah Parsons lined up against fucking Joseph Noteboom. How how does this go wrong? So like say we take the Cowboys and then we're sitting there on Monday night or Tuesday talking about I fucked up. What did we fuck up with the Cowboys or the Rams? Well, Matt Stafford is the better quarterback by a wide margin. As, mm-hmm. Stafford hasn't played as well this year as he did last year. He hasn't played particularly well at all. But a lot of that is because what makes Stafford so special is that deep ball and the deep intermediate ball. And he can't throw them because they can't get down the fucking field. They can't get down the field because they got no team speed and they can't get down the field because their offensive line has been shit. Now, they might get Brian Allen back at center. That's a huge upgrade from their third string center. They might get David Andrew or uh, David Edwards back, who I kind of like. And he's a solid guard. So, I mean, like their offensive line might get a lot better. And that helps. They're yeah, still that makes a big difference. They still don't really. First of all, it's not going to be good enough to handle Micah Parsons because I'm going to name all the offensive lines good enough to handle Micah Parsons. So that's a problem. Nobody can handle Micah Parsons. An exhaustive list. Yeah. Nah, he's, he's the best defensive end in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just, it's badass speed that you just can't deal with. It's like Tyreek Hill at wide receiver. It's like, yeah, there's things he doesn't do so well, but you can't stop the thing. It, Michael Parsons is going to run that edge. He's going to bend that corner. He's really bendy. He's really fast and really quick. You can't, you know, you get, what are you going to do? You got to chip him. All you can do is chip him. So yeah, let's say the Rams chip him all day because they know. And Stafford's good. So they, you know, they know. So they're going to have four receivers in every set. Cup is going to get open doing his little shit under them, you know, finding voids in zones and he'll get 10, 15 catches. Literally, he will, he will get all the catches. Hit that fucking over on the cup receptions prop. That's a that's a morsel. He's on my fantasy team, so I, love it. I know he is. No, I just he's gonna fucking hit those slants all day. But then Allen Robinson sucks. He's so washed. Again, another thing I was talking to our friend the bird watcher about of this guy is so unbelievably washed. Like thought that maybe he was just stuck with bad QBs. Chicago throw it in the trash. No, he's he's bad. He just doesn't have it anymore. I would like to say, speaking of Chicago and A-Rob, last year, I'm going to name some of the players who openly complained about how Matt Nagy was ruining everything. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. How's that working out? Uh, two years ago, I guess. Mitch Trubisky. And he still sucks. Like, real bad. Uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, it turns out maybe it wasn't Matt Nagy. Justin Fields. He's still too dumb to run an offense. It, it looks like maybe it wasn't on Matt Nagy. How do those Chiefs look on offense, by the way? So that's a that's a problem. He'll be a real good head coach somewhere else where I'm 
can't be hurt when they fire him. And we'll see because he was still the one that picked Mitch and advocated for, or, you know, picked Mitch in terms of he went to a team that had him as their starter and then took Justin Fields. Yeah. But we can't. He might just need to be an offensive coordinator. Or maybe he just needs a GM that's better than Ryan Pace. Yeah. But then do you get into the dick measuring contest of Nagy going in, go, give me this shitty athletic quarterback. (laughs) GM tries to save him from himself. And then it's, like internal of Nagy going, I never wanted this guy. After, after you do Trubisky and Fields, I feel like any ego has to take a hit and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to shut up this time. Yeah, maybe what, I you, can't you, really evaluate. You, you just, you pick for me. I'll eat whatever you give me. Um, That's fair. I don't and know. you know, who, who is good at setting their egos aside? If not NFL coaches, certainly not me. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, this game is tough. I like the Rams. The Rams are currently undervalued, but I don't see an avenue to their success unless they have a deep threat. And the thing that frustrates me is that they have Tutu Atwell, who's only 5'7", but he is blazing fast and they don't use him. So I'm kind of scared that they might actually just like use him. And then all of a sudden they do have a deep threat and then the offense does open up and then you can get the ball to Allen Robinson and Cooper Cup does have space underneath. And all of a sudden they're fucking incredible. I don't know if Tutu Atwell... I don't know why he's not playing, but like maybe he's just dumb. I don't know. I don't I, I don't want to bet against the Rams. I can't do it. Okay, so if we're not going to take him in the super contest, I do have a thing to throw out there. Hit me. With some drop dead legs, do you think it's worth the tease list over a touchdown? It's not valuable. Like with teasers, you're not supposed to play them unless you can get through two key numbers and going from 5.5 to about 12. You're not really going through any key numbers. Like 10 is kind of a key number. Seven's key as fuck, but you want to go through seven and three. So what if even like not necessarily a teaser, you just go find an alternate line. Like a lot of places will offer and you go pick seven and a half. Got some value. I don't want, it's not dropped dead at all, but it's got some value. Because, I mean, I could just see they get into a throwing situation because the Rams are up and Cooper Cup does throw a pick because he he's better than Dak, but that's a low bar. Dude throws pickables. Cooper Rush? God damn it. Yeah. Too many Coopers. And they're um, all they're for, all Hicks and they're all named Cooper and it's, it's too much for me. For reference, currently you can get Cowboys plus seven and a half and Vikings money line at plus 104. I don't know if that's good enough, but it's not bad. There's one that I like a little better. I did Green Bay money line, or sorry, Green Bay minus two and Minnesota money line. And that gave me 110. And I just feel better. I think the Packers will win. Yeah, they fucking better. I, I made that bet when I didn't think that the Giants would have a quarterback, but yeah, they fucking better. But as far as legs with the Cowboys, probably not. Maybe, maybe. I don't I don't like it. I don't I don't want to. I, I kind of want to stay away from this game. It's it's two teams that I kind of want to bet on. It's a Rams team that's currently down in the public opinion. We've got the funkiness of the Cowboys home field advantage in LA. God, you know what? All right, let's just pass it then. No, you know what? Listen, we've got the funkiness of the home field advantage thing in Dallas's favor. We got Micah Parsons in Dallas's favor. We've got this Rams offense being dysfunctional in Dallas's favor. We've got the Dallas offense being solely geared around exactly what the Rams are willing to give them. Fuck. But if I really believed any of this, I should have made the biggest bet of my entire fucking life on Dallas over the New York Giants, and I didn't. Yeah, you're right. Next game. And to finish up the 4 o'clock hour, we have the Philadelphia Eagles going to play the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are plus 5. Why don't we bet Philly? 
I'm wondering the same thing. I mean, it, it's a bad number at five. Bad number. But the Cardinals are a bad team. Bad team. Terrible team. That is kind of inept on both sides of the ball. Like, they can, you know, they're always a threat to catch on fire on offense and kind of blow you up with some crazy plays. But I don't know if that matters when this horrible Cardinals defense is trying to stop an Eagles offense that has been unstoppable to this point. I figured it out. Enlighten me. Hassan Reddick revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally joking about that. Not at all serious. No, I'm joking. Um, I do love Hassan Reddick, and I'm super happy that he found a team who will actually let him do what he does and get after the passer. But I don't think that his bad experience in Arizona is going to be uh, enough to propel the Eagles to a win. I do think that, okay, Jalen Hurts is going to want to throw those quick passes. And we saw last week against Carolina, the quick passes were open for Carolina. They just couldn't get the ball over the line. Now, Jalen Hurts is unfortunately the exact same height as Baker Mayfield, which means that he needs a stool for most situations. Um, He's clearly too short, but Kyler Murray is a half foot shorter. So they've got the height advantage. All right, I'm going to talk about some things that actually matter. That thing we mentioned earlier with Carolina's offensive line not knowing how to block up an RPO or a quick hitter, uh, the, the Eagles do a lot. They're good at it. They will punish the jumpers. They will put hands in guts and kidneys. They will stifle. On the outside, the reason that the Panthers wide receivers were open shallow is because the Cardinals play off zone. They play zone defense and they blitz from underneath it with Simmons and Collins. A.J. Brown is going to take shit to the house. This is this is a bet. This is a fucking bet. Yeah, even at five, I agree with you. I think it's a bet. I mean, obviously, the, the Eagles are at the top of the hype train. People have them ranked as the best team in the league right now. Well, they're undefeated in three and one against the spread. And as low as we were to begin the year on them, dude, this Cardinals team, people yeah, don't I, realize. Yeah, I was going to finish out with the Eagles have been like, even though they're getting a ton of hype, they deserve pretty much all of it. They've been playing incredible. And this Cardinals team is bad, like straight up bad. But you stop them. You stop the Eagles by playing press man and mush rushing hurts. So you want four big linemen, not fast linemen who could just clog up the middle. Don't really let hurts go anywhere. You play press man. So hurts has to make legitimately difficult throws and you just be patient. You know, as far as your pass rushing discipline goes, the Cardinals don't do any of that shit. The Cardinals exclusively zone blitz, even against teams that dominate the zone blitz, they zone blitz. All right. I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. No, I I don't. uh, I don't want to do it because we don't like betting big favorites like this. But yeah, no, Eagles minus five is the bet. Ching. It's not a best bet. So no double to ching, but it's a ching. All right, let's move on. All right, on to Sunday night. We have the Cincinnati Bengals going to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are minus three. See, here's the fucking issue is uh, I like Baltimore minus three. I know you do. I do, too. My my knee-jerk reaction to that is look at how they've played each other in the past because the Ravens have not been able to cover Jamar. And I don't get it because they should be able to. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm so glad you brought that up. Even if they cover, you know, they go double him like a lot of teams have been doing this year. Then you have T. Higgins, who can catch over anybody, apparently. So I think there is room for the Bengals to score because their strength has worked for them in the past. 
And the Ravens defense is, is struggling, man. The Ravens defense is strange because Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey have actually been pretty good, but still their secondary has been terrible. And Marcus Williams is the best free safety in the NFL. So how the fuck does that work? Well, the problem is they have a fucking rotating cast of third and fourth corners. And every time they try to get Kyle Hamilton involved, Kyle Hamilton finds a way to give yardage to the other team. Here is why I am optimistic. Oh God, I don't want to fucking say this name. Um, Justin Madubuike. Is that it? I, you know, I actually don't know how to say his name, but I remember hearing a ton about him during the draft year. He has developed nicely. He's he's playing a lot inside, which he, I mean, he started as kind of a short, stocky defensive end, and now maybe he's a defensive tackle, but who knows? It, it's good. He's real good. You can't run against this. You can never run against the Ravens. They just clog the middle with big, hefty dudes. They would be a good matchup for Philadelphia, actually, because of that. But... You can't run on them. Medbuike and Kalias Campbell are going to eat the lunch of Alex Kappa, who turns out he uh, isn't that good. Nailed it. I'm good with my offensive linemen, um, which is funny because I put the least effort and time into my offensive linemen. <laughs> uh, Just all gut feeling. Cordell Volson, their starting left guard. He should not be. He's terrible. I don't know why the fuck he's playing. I really actually is don't. Is he supposed to be? Is is somebody hurt? No. They, so they, isn't they, Jackson Carmen? No, they, he won able? the job. Really? Man. Jackson Carmen. I'm I was I nailed that one. I thought that guy would suck. And boy did he. Um so Ted Karras is like totally mids. Alex Kappa kind of sucks. Cordell Volson real sucks. And you've got two really good defensive interior players in Campbell and Matabuike. Uh It's not that the offensive tackles are any better. It's just that Jason Pierre-Paul and Jason Owe are not impressive. Or Odafe Owe. Thank you. Whatever I learn your name is the first time, I'm probably going to stick with it and then fuck off, fuck up based upon what I think your name is. Because I wanted to call him Justin Owe. I changed it to Jason. <laughs> and then I remembered he's Odafe. Yeah. Hey, you know, you're working on it. You're getting there eventually. I'm still trying to figure out why the fuck Jason Pierre-Paul wears number four. But uh, you I, you can do what you want when I'm, uh, you have a couple rings. Yeah, one for all of your fingers. I'm just I'm I've become completely old man regarding the NFL. I'm like so fucking close. To, if I stop watching football games, I'll be Michael Lombardi. <laughs> I can't fucking say any names, and I just get angry about dumb shit. And I have watched The Sopranos now, and I love it. Anyway. <laughs> I think that the issue becomes that the Ravens have been busting a lot of coverages this year. I mean, a lot of that came against the Dolphins when they were cramping and tired in the heat, and it's not supposed to be hot. You know, it's a home game, 59 degrees, clear sky at night. I think the Ravens will be perfectly fine when it comes to conditioning. I mean, they, they played pretty disciplined against Buffalo too, and they're pissed about that loss. I think the Ravens are getting themselves straightened out on defense. As the season goes on, you'll see less coverage busts, which means fewer gigantic plays that lead to touchdowns. But I'm still scared because the Bengals are a bad offense and a terrible team who just so happens to consistently get totally unsustainable, gigantic plays for touchdowns. Like yep, the That's what I was going to say. Is like, If there's one team you don't want to bust coverages against, it's probably the Bengals. Because that's their game plan is yeah, <laughs> look for downfield throws. They're basically gambling every play that it's more likely that your defensive back will fall down or forget what he's supposed to do than it is that Joe Burrow will fumble when he is eventually sacked or throw an interception when he is terrible at throwing the deep ball, which is always. It's really a fun concoction of just frustrating the shit out of anybody who knows how to evaluate film. I, I actually, I love Zach Taylor's offense, theoretically, stylistically, schematically. 
It's just that it doesn't fit his quarterback at all. It's it's very Bruce Arians-esque. It's like, we're, we're going to play action, we're going to run, and we're mostly just going to throw it the fuck deep out of four and five wide because that's the most efficient way to get to the end zone. And that's what I do in Madden. I, I go four or five wide and I throw it the fuck deep. If you know what you're doing against certain coverages, you'll get some. Problem is just that you do that with a noodle arm quarterback who's especially bad at his deep ball and maybe it's not the best idea. But I think that the Bengals are feeling themselves after two questionable wins. One which was maybe bullshit and one which was against the fucking Jets. Joe Burrow is talking already about how the losses are in the past and he's so happy that they're not losing anymore. They're two and two. They've already crowned themselves. And the Do you Ravens, worry at all because the Bengals got the mini buy? No, I don't give a fuck. The mini buy is useful when you're trying to integrate new players or something, but it's all the same guys. They probably spent the mini buy taking naps. Yeah, I I want to go Ravens as well. I think that offense will be able to have their way for the most part. Well, I've got good news for you then, my soft sciences friend, because I've got a revenge take. <laughs> Um, hit me with your revenge take. The Ravens went 0-2 against the Bengals last year. Once in dramatic, bullshitty fashion, and once because the Ravens played their backup squad. From quarterback to cornerback. Quarterback to cornerback. For there all you of go. you listening at home. Uh, that's what I said the first time. I just rounded my words real hard because I'm from Chicago. Yeah, uh, I couldn't tell. Yeah, no. It's okay. Uh I'm losing my voice from all the singing I've done on this pod anyway. But the Ravens, even in the summer, were bitching and moaning about how pissed they were that the Bengals won both games against them last year. Additionally, now that they have a new defensive coordinator, I forgot the name of the new one. It's Irish. Guy from Michigan. I want to say like Norman, but that's not Irish enough. It's McDonald. It's McDonald. It's another Mick. Everybody's Mick. Uh, Wait. Nope. We're not saying everybody's Mick. That's racial. And I forgot. Alex's dog didn't take kindly to my racism against uh, Irish such as Alex. So anyway, under uh, this new coordinator on defense, McDonald, who I don't even know what race he is. Do you? Anyway, uh, he, as opposed to Wink, so Wink Martindale blitzes like fucking crazy. Wink Martindale blitzes kicker if you let him. This McDonald fellow doesn't blitz nearly as much. It's a lot simpler of a defense and it's much more coverage oriented. Last year, Baltimore blitzed their asses off against Cincinnati the same way they do everybody. That puts extra pressure on your defensive backs, which helps you bust coverages. Joe Burrow, consequently, last year was extremely effective against the Blitz. I don't want to say it was super effective Pokemon style, though, because it's not that he's necessarily good so much as he's taking the chances and getting lucky. You gotta you gotta play the lottery to win. He's gonna have fewer chances against the Blitz because the Ravens just don't Blitz as much anymore. And when they do Blitz, it's gonna be Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey rather than exactly. I don't fucking remember who was starting as cornerback for the Ravens last year after the injuries. The only possible downsides are, as we already mentioned, the coverage breakdowns that Baltimore experienced, particularly against Miami. Really, that it was Miami and a little bit New England the next week, but not even that much. The only other thing is that maybe Baltimore's tired because they had a tough game against Buffalo and a really tough game against Miami and a relatively tough game against the Patriots. But I don't think that that happens in fucking early October, week five. Yeah, I think from last year, it's like the midway point of the year is where that starts really catching up to teams because that's what it looked like last season. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The Ravens are the better team, the better coach team. I think they have generally matchup advantages. Um, I I am just totally prepared for Jamar Chase and T Higgins to have like four combined touchdowns. 
Jones off of like three legitimate catches. But I don't know, man. I, I think the Ravens are good. They're they've been playing better. The offense went dormant last week after they got up early. They weren't even good in getting up. It was kind of fluky. Yeah, but they're still solid. And that's against the Bills. Exactly. The Bills are a good defense. The Bengals are an okay defense. And this is the other thing where I was getting to is they held the Bills to what? 24? 23. It was rainy. It was pretty gross rain. Like three fumbles. They they've been playing better though. So they're they're rounding into form. And while you could make the argument that the Bengals are rounding into form, I don't really think so. I don't think no, I I, I think it's I think they're just okay. Yeah, I don't think they're even okay, honestly. I think they'll beat bad teams and I think that they'll have a hard time doing it occasionally. Like Yeah, I think that's kind of okay. But yeah. we're saying the same thing. Yeah, no, I mean we're on the same page with the Bengals. And then so we mentioned how the Ravens like Achilles heel on defense is like, yeah, they're they're pretty good, but they just give up these weird random huge plays. They just bust in coverage. Well, maybe that happens when you got a lot of veterans returning from injury, not playing in the preseason as much because like the Ravens win in the preseason, but they don't play guys. They just play hard in the games. Like they coach to win, which most teams don't. So you got a lot of veterans who didn't play in the preseason, coming off an injury, slow camp for them in a new defense, treating the first month of the season like preseason. And slowly but surely, they've gotten a lot better every week about busting coverages and discipline. Got a noodle arm quarterback with an opportunistic defense. You don't want to try to throw jump balls over Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, Baltimore's a bet. Cha-ching. Awesome. Now we're up to six. We're going to have to knock one off. But not now. We got one more game. And to wrap up week five, on Monday Night Football, we have the Las Vegas Raiders going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus seven and a half. That looks like it's about to go to seven. I I ain't touching this game. Nope. The Chiefs are riding high off of a flawless game against the Bucs. But the Bucs' defense is disappointing. They, They can't stop the run. They refuse to take away the short passes. Todd Bowles just doesn't fucking learn. He doesn't change anything ever. Not that the Raiders' defense is any good, but I could see them at least not playing directly into Kansas City's hands, which might hurt them. And the Raiders have typically played the Chiefs pretty well, even new when they have less staff, talented though. teams. I know it's new coaching staff, but it's a lot of the same guys. Yeah. Chandler Jones has been a little disappointing this year. Yeah, he has been. I mean, apropos of nothing. But yeah, no, I. it's not that I'm low on Kansas City. It is Kansas City in prime time. They're awesome in prime time. I, uh, again, listening to Pardon My Take, Bastion of Football Knowledge, Kyle Long, who spent a year with the Kansas City Chiefs, was talking about how when Andy Reid has a primetime game, he gets excited for it. It's like a different thing. And that makes some sense because Andy Reid's a genius, like the best ever, ever. So I'm certainly not betting against Kansas City in primetime, literally against any team. I don't care. I'm I don't I'm not doing it again. I know we did it last week. I've changed my mind. I'm never betting against Andy Reid in primetime ever again. (sighs) Can we bet on the Chiefs? I certainly don't like it more than the six we already got. It's a yeah, leg. That's where I'm at. I, I don't hate the Chiefs bet. I don't hate we it as a leg it. at all. Let's drop dead leg. Yes. Drop dead legs. Pretty smile. I think you should do this for every episode. I don't think we're allowed to bring the soundboard back. Well, it depends. If we go five and zero this week, I'll never bring the soundboard back. I'll sing every time. <laughs> Fair enough. I, balls I out. Um, yeah, I think this just comes down to the, the Chiefs should absolutely win this game. They should be able to score at will, to be completely honest. Yeah. 
but it's a division game they'll play normally is a little closer. Seven, you're just ripe for backdoor cover stuff. Exactly. We like a lot of other things. I think you just pass on this game. Yeah, no, it's just maybe a live bet it. But yeah, no, Kansas City's a drop dead leg. It's going to suck. Dude, the Raiders are too good to be one and four. That sucks. Yeah. Derek Carr's going to figure it out. Man, that really, they should totally be two and three. And even that's bad. They should be three and two. Poor guys. Got to win the games. Got to win the games. I've heard that. Winning games is a, a better outcome than the alternatives. All right. We've done the games. Let's narrow it down from six to five. We got to demote one of these into a bonus bet. And uh, while we're at it, for, for the boys, we'll we'll pick the official teaser play with the drop dead legs we've mentioned earlier. Oh, I like it. Looking out for the crew. I was like. All right. So we got to rank these. I think that's the only way to do this. We've got Indianapolis plus three and a half, Detroit plus three, Miami minus three, Philly minus five, Baltimore minus three. Tennessee minus two and a half. Oh, yeah. So right off the bat, Miami's probably the best at minus three. Yeah, I think Detroit's close. Detroit's close. Detroit's another no-brainer to me. I agree. So those two are locked in. So now we have to talk about Indy at three and a half catching three and a half. And then you have Tennessee minus two and a half Philly at five. I like Philly at five. I think playing the Cardinals, we leave that one in. Okay. I like Baltimore. I like Baltimore better than I like Philly. I can get behind that. So now we have to pick between Tennessee and Indy. God damn it. AFC South. Why? <laughs> um, I like Indy Thursday night game. I know. I hate that, but, but I think I, I like that more than betting on fucking Mike Vrabel. We got the kick in the hook against a team we want to fade versus the Titans where we've got a team we want to fade in in the former Redskins, but we're laying more than one point with Mike Vrabel. And the Titans are coming off of two impressive games. Fuck you, AFC South. God damn it. A rock in a hard place, I tell you. <laughs> These raucous bitches. Do you want, I, it sounds like we want to take Tennessee out and make them the bonus. Yeah, I think that's what we end up doing. All right, and then just, you know, RIP in peace to Minnesota minus seven, San Diego minus two and a half, New Orleans minus five, and Dallas plus five. Because I like all of those a teeny bit, but not really. Yeah. All right. So oh. that locks us in yeah. with Indy plus three and a half. Cha-ching. Detroit plus three. Ching. Miami minus three, best bet. Ching ching. Philly minus five. Ching. Baltimore minus three. Cha-ching. And then the bonus bet of Tennessee minus two and a half. Cha. No ching. And then what's the uh, drop dead leg that you wanted to give out? I think it's going to be Minnesota and Kansas City teaser. How does that lose? You got them both at minus one. Take it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good. Kansas City, you might have to wait because right now it's seven and a half. It just is about to move. I'll live. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up. Yeah. I don't love this week. I, I, I like Miami a lot, but I don't love betting on a backup quarterback under any circumstance. And we mentioned Baltimore's got its flaws, but I really like that. I almost want to make Baltimore a best bet, but we can't Easy. do two best bets every week. And we, we've we been picking a lot of uh, trend buckers, uh, and they haven't really been working out for us. They can't keep getting away with this. But maybe they can. But maybe they can. Uh, I Yeah, I don't, like, love this card, but I don't have any that I, like, don't feel great about. There are so many bets I want to make but don't have the balls to, and I promise you they all win. Like, right. I'm going to make note. We will track Minnesota minus 7, San Diego minus 2.5, New Orleans minus 5, and Dallas plus 5. And if they all win, I retire. 
I don't know. I don't fucking are know. Are we are we gonna have a, a retirement qualification for every week now? We just might. I like that. I think we should in- incorporate that. All right. Uh I don't know. I can't ask anything of you guys. It hasn't been a good enough season for me to ask anything of you guys. The pod's down two units. Hopefully this week we get back. I'm down more than two units. Only God can save me now. <laughs> it's not that bad. But either way, tail or fail. Maybe maybe you wouldn't fail. Maybe you'd do okay if you faded us. But just keep betting on football games. Asta. Thank you.